Good morning. You know, I was listening to that song and that scripture is part of that revelation where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I used to... You ever heard of that devotional called God Calling? Anybody ever heard of that devotional? It's great. You ever get your hands on that? It's a really good devotional. But in that devotional, he refers to Jesus as being the heavenly beggar just knocking on the door of our heart. Just, he never stops. He's always knocking. You know, and they were talking about earlier that there's areas of our hearts, I believe, that, that God's still knocking. He's still saying, let me in. Let me in. Anyway, that's, that's, that's a freebie for you there. Um, Eagle's Nest Regeneration Ministry is a, a ministry, as most of y'all know, but some of you may not. It's a ministry uh, to help uh, men and their families struggling with addiction. Um, how many how many people here either know someone, have been affected by someone, or have been addicted? Raise your hand. Now keep your hands up. I want you to keep your hands up. Okay? All right. Everybody look around. Okay? That's, that's about, I'd say about 60-70%. Okay? That's a lot of that's a lot of uh, problems with addiction. Okay, in in um, there's a statistic that says for every one person addicted, at least seven other people are directly affected by that one person that's addicted. Um, drugs and alcohol are an epidemic in our society. I mean, it, it's a it's a serious problem in our society. I mean, just look around, look at the news. Um, look at, read the police reports, read, read police beat in the newspaper, you'll see it. I guarantee you that probably more than likely 90-something percent of all the men and women that are in jail, if you tie it, if you tie it back, you go back, it's drug-related. Okay? It's drug-related or alcohol-related. It's a serious problem in our society. You know, you know, as a nation, we spend billions of dollars overseas trying to fight the drug wars, trying to fight the Colombian cartel. Okay, um, I don't think we've had much success at that. You know, I'm just being honest with you. Um, we believe the place to fight that war is not in the jungles of Colombia. We believe the place to fight that war is in men's and women's hearts, and that's. That's what Eagle's Nest is really about. I want to read a scripture to you. Ephesians chapter 2. This kind of, the first part here describes where men are. Be honest with you, where most of us were, where all of us were before we came to God. But this is a good description of uh, where the men were before they came to Eagle's Nest. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath. I, I like that. And we're by nature children of wrath. In other words, a country term for that would be you stayed in trouble, boy. OK, that's that's a country term for that. You stayed in trouble anyway. Um. So among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus, in Christ Jesus my desire and my hope for eagles nest is that it would be the but god moment for a man coming out of addiction that we would be the place that a man comes to find a relationship with the lord jesus christ I, you know, we don't believe that programs change people. We believe that God changes people. Okay? And, and that's, our, that's our heart. That's our desire is to teach a man how to have a personal, living, breathing relationship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not interested in religion. We're not trying to make preachers out of these men. Okay? Got enough of them. I'm one. <laughs> All right? But we are trying to make men of God. Men that love God. Men that love their families. Men of integrity. Men of honesty. Men that when they give you their word, you can bank on it. Um, so, that's often a, a, a fun process. Amen? Guys that are here? <laughs> That's a fun process. It's not always easy. Uh, but it's rewarding. And you see these guys getting a hold of the Lord, getting a hold of their relationship with God, uh, growing in their relationship with God. And, and you know, men don't <clears throat> come into Eagle's Nest. They, you know, nobody wake, get, wakes up in the morning uh, growing up and goes, well, you know, I think I'll be a drug addict. Huh? I mean, you just, you don't, you don't wake up thinking that. There, it's a lot deeper process that a man, you know, and, and this, is, this is some of the stuff that will really annoy me. And, and you could see a side of me you probably don't want to see. But to say, well, I just don't understand how somebody could get into something like that. that you know, just they just need to say no. Okay. Well, if you really understood the life that a lot of these men come from and understand some of the stuff that they face, some of the stuff you faced, <laughs> Some of the strongholds we've operated in. Amen? Can I get a witness? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good now. Come on! Huh? When we understand some of the places that these men come from, some of the struggles that they've dealt with, you've got to be able to get down into that stuff. Okay? When you're dealing with a man that's been beat into a closet by his father for 30 minutes. Huh? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that? You just oh well, just get over it, brother. Praise God, Hallelujah! Here's a scripture for you. Come on now, you got to help that man. You got to get down into that stuff. There's got to be a place for that. There's got to be a place for that. All right, to bring Christ into that area of his heart, to bring Christ into that hurt, into that pain, into where that area of his heart is. Struggling and he can't get over it. You know, Rick talks about the broken heart that can't grab the truth because it's broke. And that's right. We're dealing with broken hearted people. But Jesus said, I came for the broken hearted. Okay. And that's what Eagle's Nest really is. It's a place where the broken hearted come to get healing, to get help, to get restored. You know, and and there's a lot, you know, that's a brief overview and there's a lot. To be said about that. And I could sit here and go on for hours with it. But um, if you'd like to find out more about it. Feel free to contact me. Or contact my, my buddy Greg. That you're going to hear from here in a minute. Uh, call the office. And I'd be glad to sit down with you and talk with you. If you have somebody that's struggling in the realm of addiction. And you need some answers or some ideas or, or whatever. I'd love to be able to help you. I'd love to be able to um, you know, point you in the right direction with that. Um, but you're going to hear some testimonies this morning. Now. I want to say something to you about our testimonies. Okay? Our testimonies is the greatest thing that we have given to us by God. Because our testimony is everything that we couldn't do and everything that God did. <laughs> and our testimony is progressive. It's every day. God is growing our testimony every single day. You know, as, as, as preachers or musicians, you know, we're doing that for the glory of God. But in some ways, we, we can receive glory for that. Not God forbid, but we do. Okay, I'm just saying. Well, man, that's a good word. He preached this morning, man. But your testimony is a little different than that. Because your testimony is all about what you couldn't do. And all about what God did. And that's pure. And that's right. That's the greatest thing that we possess from God is our testimony. And it's, and it's progressive every single day. You're going to hear from some men that are still on their journey this morning. They're not. They're not. It's, they're not just because they're graduating today ain't the end of the road. They still got some walking to go. But you're going to hear their but God moment. And you're going to hear what God's been doing in their life. You're going to hear where some of them have come from. Okay? So listen. Listen. The Lord might want to bring you some hope this morning for a family member you've been praying for. You've been struggling with. Okay? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I didn't hang around the wrong crowd. I was the wrong crowd. I was the crowd that you didn't want your kids hanging around. Okay? I was the wrong crowd. All right. 
But God. Okay. But God. There was no hope for me. My daddy died when I was when I when he was 24 years old. I was five months old. When I got my life together, I was 24 years old. I believe that if I had not uh, if I had not been cornered by God, I'd have been dead at 24 years old. But God, somebody was praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Okay, because He's here and He's working, He's moving, and you're going to hear some of that hope this morning. All right, listen. Let it minister to your heart. Amen? All right. Come on up, Greg. I said to somebody yesterday, and I agree with this, I'm the mouth, this is the brains here. All right. Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, God has blessed me with a good friend and an awesome brain. <laughs> I love him. Here he is. Another way of saying it. He's the gas. I'm the brakes. You know, it's, you got to have both to survive in a car. So he's 20 miles down the road. I'm back here sometimes. But praise God, I wouldn't. If it wasn't for Robbie, I'd be sitting still, though. You know, because I need the gas too. And uh, I don't know if you guys know, but he was director of the program when I went in when I was 21 down to Dunklin and God used him to change my life you know was that 12 years ago you know gave me an opportunity to do what you're going to hear these guys testify today and uh, you know and it's this is payday I say this every time but this is payday this is a payday for all of us not just what we at Eagles Nest have poured into but you as a body have poured into and supported and uh, you know, and this is just a time just to hear just the goodness of God. And um, you know, Robbie was talking about that testimony. And I always get this picture because of a testimony because I've seen people do this. I mean, but some people like take like you know your your baby's little first shoes and they bronze them. You know, they want to cherish that moment forever. You know, they take something from the past and make it like a eternal memory. And that's our testimony. God takes something from our past and He just gold plates it. You know, something that could sit on a shelf and say, this is what it was. But this is who it is. You know, this is who I am. You know. And you're going to hear that. You're going to hear, you're not going to hear some pretty stories this morning. I'm going to tell you that. This isn't, you know, a time of pretty stories. You're going to hear some, some hard times. You're going to hear a lot of dangerous, a lot of hurting where froms you know but you're also going to hear how god gold-plated that where from you know and put hope and hopelessness you know and put life in where there was death and uh you know and it's exciting you know i don't take a whole lot of credit you know i mean robbie you know what robbie was saying we just want to provide a place that they can have a relationship with the lord you know a lot of time these guys come in and they're they're looking you know they, you know they're coming to us asking questions like you know pray about it what God say you know that makes him so mad you know what do you mean yeah what did God say about it what is God telling you what is God speaking to your heart you know and it forces them to develop and and fight through and trust in something that's greater than themselves and step out in faith and allow that transformation and, and the restoration to take place you know, and that's what these guys are going to give testimony. They ain't giving testimony of anything that's really taking place at Eagles. Now, that program didn't fix them at all. You know, that blue house over on West Main Street didn't do anything to fix them. You know, it was the Spirit of God. And, uh, and I'm going to let them testify. That I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to bring up Mark Williams and his family. You can give Mark a hand this morning. That'd be good. I'm going to preface Mark a little bit this morning with, you know, I don't, you know, I get to do the, I, there's an exciting part of my job is I get to talk to the wives, the families. That's not really exciting. Before he comes in, it's usually a hard time. I'm usually, I usually know all about this guy before I ever get him on the phone, either talking to family members or friends or whoever's trying to get him help before. Uh, and if anybody has scared me on an intake interview, it's been this guy right here. 
you know, because I had talked to this guy many times on the phone. I've talked to Mark, and, you know, and he had told me, and he's going to share some things uh, about the physical that he struggles with. And, but when I watched him walk through the door, and I really thought I watched death walking in the door. And my heart grieved for him that day, you know. And to see the man that's standing here today, and, you know, it's a blessing, you know. This guy, I'm telling you, I was like, I was pressed. He's walking 10 feet away from me. I'm praying, Lord, you need to save this guy's life. You know, because talking to him on the phone and then seeing him in the physical was totally different. You know, so, and I'm going to let him share. <laughs> I love you, buddy. Introduce your family to us and share with us. This is my brother Jesse, my stepmother Martha, and my dad Glenn. Well, <clears throat> I'll start where it started in my addiction. I was uh, start. I started when I was about 14. Excuse me, my heart's pounding. I liked it better when there's about 15 people in here earlier. Um, but um, <clears throat> I started, you know, drinking and you know, smoking dope and stuff when I was about 14 years old. Um, never really had what you call a social stage of drinking. I just went straight at it and never stopped. Um, that progressed. <clears throat> just got worse and worse through high school. Um, tried college for like a semester. Decided I'd rather go downtown D.C. and party. So that didn't last at all either. Um, just, <clears throat> I don't even know. I'm losing train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> so the drinking and drinking got worse. Started where I did it on the weekends, you know, and then it was three or four times a week, and then it was, you know, pretty much every day, you know, on into my 20s. And um, what I'll do is um, if you can show a picture of my driver's license and put it up on the board up on here. That was me like eight months before I got to the program. Um, and I gained weight, more weight than that, you know, by the time I got here. Um, <clears throat> I had uh, pretty much accepted the fact that drinking and alcohol, alcoholism was going to kill me. And <clears throat> I accepted that fate. I don't know why, I just thought it was my... For some sick reason, I thought it was my destiny. I was just like, you know what? That's 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 what's going to be. Alcohol is going to kill me. And I don't know how how it got there. Don't really know. There's a lot of you know the enemy attacks you when you're young and starts implanting lies in you. And just throughout your life, you just you start to accept it. You know that you know that's your destiny. And. Um, Shortly thereafter, that picture, um, I came home from work one day, and it was um, in February last year. Felt kind of weird. Was feeling kind of drained. So I lay down and took a nap after work, and I woke up, and um, my heart was pounding. You know, I couldn't breathe. I was like, man, something's, something's wrong. Something's not right with me. I thought I was going to have a heart attack or something. And uh, I tried to go back to sleep and tried to go back to sleep, and um, I couldn't. I thought I, I was really nervous, thought I was having a heart attack. And uh, <clears throat> so I stayed up the whole night. And um, something, I, something told me to call my brother Jesse, so I called him first thing the next morning. And because... Um, because I knew I needed a ride to the hospital. Something was wrong. Throughout the night, and I was like, you know, I was just laying there. I was like, uh, <clears throat> somewhere, you know, the night is probably 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And I just, um, I cried out to God, and I was like, God, just help me. He's like, I, you know, I don't know what's going on. Just help me. You know, I didn't make any promises. I was like, Lord, I need you. God, please help me. So I called him the next morning. I guess I called too early. He wasn't up yet. So uh, a friend of mine down the street took me to the hospital. And uh, they checked me in. 
<clears throat> and I uh, was in complete liver failure. Um, <clears throat> and they, you know, they rushed me right back, and you know, you know, family showed up throughout the day and stuff like that. And <clears throat> what they were saying was, um, most people that go into the hospital in my condition never leave. But um, four days later, I walked out of there. Four days later, I walked out of there. And um, that was the end of February. And I came to Eagles Nest, what was it, late March, Greg? You can go to the next picture. That's me there um, in all my glory. Um <clears throat> My, uh, my my liver started to shut down again. I started retaining water. I um, I ballooned up to almost 230 pounds, 227 pounds. I went on diuretics. Weight, you know, still didn't, still wasn't coming off. So for health issues, Greg and them had to send me home. There we go again. I was like, what do I do now? It's like, <clears throat> so I went on directs, I went home, I was like, you know what, I need a miracle. Good thing, uh, good thing God, um, that's especially, amen. So, <clears throat> from that date to three weeks later, I came back to Eagle's Nest 65 pounds lighter. Um, and, you know, I got back and I stayed. I, I stayed on Greg for a while. I don't think, I think he had some reservations about letting me come back. So I stayed on him and called him at least twice a day for like a week or so. And um, I came back and, uh, <clears throat> you know, had to walk through some pretty hard stuff, you know, dealing with your heart. You know, sharing it with, with a house full of men, too. I mean, just opening yourself up and pouring it out on the table for, you know, for an audience to watch is um, it's pretty tough stuff. So, but um, luckily I had, um, you know, some good men to push me in the right direction and get me in front of the Lord so I can get the truth. There's a lot of freedom in that. So, um <clears throat> Where I go from here is, um, I'm going to take a couple days off, go to Tennessee and relax, and then um, I'm going to come back, and they're, they, they are, they're often a, offering a um, transition stage at the house, so I'm not, you know, severing ties, keep some accountability, stay in the house, still relate with the guys, um, still go to work, and um, really pressing the Lord for the next two months to see what what he's got for me here, hopefully, is here because um, I don't call where I used to used to be home anymore. I call this home now. I love it here. So um, hopefully, the Lord's got something for me here. Mark, we just want to present this with you to you. Uh, just as an achievement uh, of finishing uh, this quote-unquote program. But, uh, you know, today's just a destination on that journey. You know, today's just a little brief destination. It's a accomplishment on the, you know, where you're going to go, what God's going to do in you. You know, I look forward to it, man. I just, from, from my perspective, from Robbie's perspective, and all of us there at Eagle's Nest and our families, you know, we're just proud of you, you know. Uh, you know, not only do guys come <clears throat> with mental, emotional, um, spiritual issues to watch you overcome what you've had to come overcome in the physical realm with trust in the Lord and continuing to fight and continuing to persevere. And <clears throat> it's 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 blessed us. It's blessed me to watch you fight and allow the Lord to minister to you that and carry you through that process. You know, yeah. And I'll just say this, guys. You know, that hasn't changed in Mark. That liver is still, you know. I don't know, he didn't really share some of this, but even through the process of being here, he's had to go to the doctor and back in the emergency room and different things like that a couple times just because of 
what's going on and God has continued to put his levels above what the doctors could ever hope for you know and uh, and uh, in this next process you know he's re- coming up to a year and um, and the doctors told him after that that year of sobriety that he can be put on a list and possibly hopefully have a liver transplant and uh, so be praying for him you know but you know that God either heal this liver and regenerate this liver totally, which would be a total miracle, or provide a way for, for Mark to have this take place in his life. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, totally, I totally forgot about this. Well, the, how I heard about Eagle's Nest was from my brother. Knew a young man that came down here, went through the program, went back home, and came back for a second tour of duty in the program. So, Phil Swata. Amen. Love you, Mark. <clears throat> Mr. Ken Woodward. Come on up. Amen. We all come different ways, you know. You heard Mark came through the hospital of an emergency room visit. Some of us have uh, blue lights and bars that help us get to a place where we need some help. And, uh, you know, and it's, it, I think what's, some of the, what you're going to hear today is there's some a body of Christ is out there, you know. It's not just here that has gone and it's far-reaching impacts of how, and I've said this before, it's amazing how, these guys find out about us, find about what we have to offer without just advertisement, you know. And um, I'm gonna let Ken kind of share that, but you know, just to preface him a little bit, Ken's come into the house, and and uh, he's we typically have an age range around the 24, 25 mark is about our average, you know. I'm gonna say Ken's a little above average, <laughs> but in that. The guys kind of nicknamed him Pappy, and uh, he kind of took that role in the house with some of these guys, and and uh, you know, and I think there's been good times with that, and there's bad times with that, you know. <laughs> you know, he's in the guys when they affirmed him the other day, they really affirmed him for that fatherly role in the house with the men, and of course, a lot of these men come with father issues, so Ken also had the ability to be their their god prod, you know, at the same time. But you know, he's definitely been a blessing to us, and. And not only does Ken come with um, a, a testimony of regeneration, but from our perspective, Ken comes with a heart of, of, a, of a servant. And I've watched him serve. And uh, so, share with us, Ken. Well, um, I just, I have a heart of gratitude this morning. I just want to start by saying that for, for, for this program and uh, the way God works in it. And for these men that you know, God uses to to bring us guys to to a point where you know God redeems us and, and starts working in our lives and uh, as much as we allow it. And uh, but uh, uh, I was told this morning I'm a little long-winded, so I'm gonna keep this short. But uh, um, well, <laughs> I. I'm a pastor's son and um, grew up in church for the most part. And, you know, when, when when I was 17, I decided I'd had enough of that. You know, I'd uh, seen a lot, good and bad, uh, growing up around that. And I decided uh, it was time for me to go my own way. And so I did. And, uh, very rebellious. I decided that I had everything I needed, and, and uh, it was going to be my way. And so, it was. It was my way. And uh, so, I proceeded with my life, and I uh, had my ups and downs, and a lot of successes along the way. Um, I started to experiment with drugs and alcohol at a very young age, 12, 13 years old. By the time I was in my latter teens, I was 
you know, addicted. Um, and that progressed through my 20s, um, 30s. And then by the time I was in my 40s, um, uh, my addiction was all but out of control. And I, I think the thing that really, I was already addicted to, to alcohol, uh, severely addicted, and, and was doing drugs as well, and but uh, alcohol was my, my drug of choice. And um, then I was in a car accident in uh, 2006, and by all rights, should have died. Uh, but God <laughs> spared my life um, again. And uh, but through that, I had a lot of uh, residual effects from from the accident and injuries, and I, I became addicted to uh, opiates, uh, painkillers, and was pretty much supplied with a with a more than adequate amount, to say the least, of those. And uh, I, you know, I had a new Lord in my life, and and I didn't have anything to do with Jesus. It just took me down. A, down a road that um, was already rocky and just made it worse. And, and I, I was really addicted to painkillers at that point, and, and I just couldn't, couldn't stop no matter. You know, I started going into rehabs and uh, recovery centers with, with uh, some very short-lived success in, in staying sober and clean. And, uh, and then I started having a lot of consequences uh, from from my life of addiction and, and uh, started seeing the other side of the the jail cell. You know, I wasn't my first time in jail, but I started seeing more more lengthy stays. <laughs> and uh, I was in a regional jail, and I, I got locked up for uh, a couple of felonies uh, in Roanoke, and uh, in Roanoke County Jail. I was transferred to a regional jail, and there I met uh, a man named Ted Farmer who does uh, ministry there, jail ministry, which is so, so important. And uh, um, I talked to Ted pretty extensively, and, and he started telling me about Eagle's Nest. And it was, uh, you know, and I didn't, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. Um, you know, God, at that point, God had boxed me in, you know. And uh, he uh, had been relentless all through my 20s, 30s, and 40s, uh, pursuing me. And, and finally, he had me at a point to get my full attention. So, so while I was locked up, I, I cried out to God, and, and he answered. I uh, went before the judge. I was... I was so at that point, um, I, uh, I did get out of jail. And, and you know, it was God. Um, give him all the credit and the glory. Uh, both felonies disappeared. Uh, one was reduced to a misdemeanor. One totally disappeared. And um, I got out of out of jail and and uh, uh, got my job back. And and uh, you know everything was just like I left it. Uh, everything, you know, my heart included. And, um. And God wouldn't leave me alone about Eagle's Nest. I, you know, I was back at work, um, functioning as best I knew how, but I couldn't quit using. Um, I couldn't quit, no matter what I did. So, um, so shortly thereafter, I, I started using again, and I knew that unless I did something drastic, um, that I would either end up back in jail or dead. I'd already attempted suicide uh, more than once. And uh, um, so I, I started calling Greg, and and uh, I came in uh, last year uh, around the end of uh, April, early May, and um, started into Eagle's Nest. And, and I was sharing with the guys, uh, all I came in with was was my pride and, and some religion. I was I was clinging to both of them. And slowly but surely, you know, God worked in that process. And and uh, I can assure you the man you see now is 
is not the man that came into the program, but you know, God's changed my heart in the process of renewing my mind, and uh, uh, I'm just so thankful uh, for that. I'm just uh, my plans for the future are, are nothing concrete. I'm just going to use this next two months to really seek the Lord and and see what He wants me to do, uh, what direction He wants to take me in, instead of where I want to go for a change. And uh, again, I just I just give God the glory for everything, and uh, I just thank these men that you know have uh, helped me so much. I'll be forever grateful. And uh, you know, I just praise the Lord. Again, Ken, I just want to, same as Mark, I just want to give you this as a, an achievement, as a, as an accomplishment, you know. Um, this program's not easy. You know, changing's not easy. If it was, we could all do it. You know what I mean? And uh, so this is an achievement in your life. You know, this is just a stepping stone in that journey. And again, I just want to let you know that we are proud of you and grateful for allowing us to be a part of that process. Yeah, love you. Curtis's, come on up. I, yeah, you give a hand. Now, speaking speaking of the the journey, and I was telling you how I get to talk to the wives and I get to talk to the moms and family members before I ever get a chance. I get to see the journey before he knows he's really on the journey, you know. And uh, and on this process, I remember getting the phone calls from from Kim, you know, telling me Will's story and how bad he needed the program, <laughs> which most wives do. <laughs> And uh, and I was I remember asking Kim some questions like, well, what are you going to do? You know, he's going. You know, you're all the way in Tennessee. He's going to be here. You know, what happens about three or four months into this thing? He doesn't want to be here. He's missing you, missing the family. He's going to get on the phone. She said, oh, don't worry about that. He ain't coming back here. <laughs> I was like, all right, we can work with this guy. You know. And then a few short days, maybe like a week or two later, I I got a call from Will. You know, and uh, you know, like. You know, you're going to hear his story, and uh, it blesses me just to, you know, all these guys to see the process, the journey, where it began, how it started for them, and how God got them here, and to what's standing up here now, and what you're hearing today is, is a blessing, and I'm, I'm going to let them tell it, and uh, did you have something to say? Okay. I, I just got to tell on Will real quick, when he, when he first came in, it, he was still detoxing, and uh, uh, he was pretty bad shape. So he's on the job, and we're all painting. He, this is Will. You give me a couple of weeks, I promise you, I'm gonna be all right. <laughs> He'd work for about five minutes, and you'd find him on a five-gallon bucket. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Two weeks, I'm telling you, I will be good. Amen. I also suffer from attention deficit disorder, so I'm not going to bore you with a big long thing. I just had to jot some stuff down so I wouldn't leave anything out. <clears throat> I'll tell you. Um, Ken and I have a similar story in, uh, in that uh, it's taken multiple attempts to get us uh, in a position where uh, the Lord could really work in our lives. I think Eagle's Nest, if, if you count programs, I really don't even want to count the other programs because they don't even measure up to the way that God works in Eagle's Nest, but I think this is like my ninth program, and uh, I, I wanted to make it stick because I uh, pretty much had shot out everything with my family, with my wife, uh, my children, who will be here in the second service that are, I've got four-year-old twins and a nine, or an 11-year-old daughter that uh, she's had to see too much, and the, and the twins uh, really didn't know what was going on, but... Uh, and there was no way that they could be here for four hours. So <clears throat> the first thing I wanted to do was thank God <clears throat> uh, for never giving up on me. Um, 
and thank my wife for her grace and mercy that she's shown me. Um, a little brief history about me. Uh, I was saved in 2003 in Orange County, California, a correctional facility. <laughs> That's where uh, I got boxed in, Ken, for the first time. And um, uh, my life didn't have this mass a massive transformation from that point up. But I did get a, get a, a grip on learning to be kind of responsible for my actions. So I went back to Tennessee and served some more time. Flattened that out and vowed that I would never get incarcerated again. I hope I can live up to that, <laughs> that one. But um, I had some periods of recovery, um, followed by relapse. And um, I made a lot of vows in my addiction, things that I wouldn't do. And I used to think that a drug addict was the guy that was hanging out, that was stuck in the alley, you know, with a needle hanging out of his arm, knotted out, and then I wasn't going to be that. And uh, that's who I became. That's really who I became. Uh, uh, I became a needle junkie. And um, and in that, um, I got hepatitis C. And um, I'll never forget, my kids were about, I don't know, a year, maybe a year and a half old, getting a call from the doctor. I'd had a routine physical, and uh, uh, he called me at 8 o'clock. And I remember, I mean, I don't know if y'all can relate to having twins, but we were already outside pushing them in the swing because they had torn the house up by 8 o'clock. <laughs> and the doctor called at 8, and I thought it was strange for a doctor to even be calling somebody at 8 o'clock. And uh, he told me that I had hep C. And uh, I was scared to death. And um, there again, God showed up and through the doctors and chemotherapy and a lot of prayer from my home church in Tennessee. Uh, I beat hepatitis C. So that was uh, like one of the first miracles on the way to <laughs> on the way to getting here. But I really had no relationship with the Lord. Um, I searched for my fulfillment in uh, you know in drugs when I and when I wasn't using drugs, um, I searched for it and work, anything that like um, that just fed my flesh. And I found out once I got up here that I was in a flesh pattern. <laughs> And uh, so I believed a lot of lies about myself, which got me to return into using over and over and over again. And after a period of about a year or so sober, I relapsed in January of 2010. And um, addiction is a progressive disease, um, let me tell you, because from January um, until about the very end of January till about the very beginning of March, um, I had I went from what I look like now, maybe a little lighter, <laughs> to uh, to about 165 pounds, um, and uh, I was I couldn't even find a vein in my arm. They were so shot out. I was wearing long sleeves all the time, so nobody would know. And um, so I started thinking that like there, this was no way I could keep living like this and I couldn't keep putting my wife through it because this was like the fifth time that I'd put her through this. And um, so I started like really hearing some lies that I needed to kill myself. <clears throat> so my first attempt, um, I went out and bought a whole lot of Oxycontin and a whole lot of crack cocaine and, and injected all of it um, and lived. And came in the house, and I don't even want to know what I look like, but I remember the look on my wife's face, and she said, you need to go somewhere, but not here. And I wound up in the psych ward for the first time. And uh, let me tell you, I am a little bit crazy, but to be normal in a psych ward is a humbling experience. But not humbling enough, because uh, two weeks later, I really had made a decision that I was going to do it, and I was not going to screw up this time. And so I did more of the same, but I put sleeping pills on the top of that, a whole bunch of sleeping pills on the top of that, and um, laid down on the couch and started started drifting out. And I mean, I really could tell I was checking out. I was seeing flashes of light every time my heart beat. And I had this moment of clarity that I was getting ready to leave my kids without dad <laughs> and my wife all by herself without a husband and so I cried out 
to God, and he met me. I don't remember much from that, but that's like really when my journey began getting here um, because I didn't know about this place. And uh, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I woke up in the emergency room, and uh, the nurses were trying to give me an IV, and they couldn't find a vein anywhere because the, my veins were so shot out. Um, and I'm like about the fourth nurse in, and I believe me, I started waking up when people started gouging around in my arm trying to find a vein. Um, and uh, about the fourth nurse in, who she was going to be the expert in finding a vein on a junkie, um, she came in and she was like, oh my gosh, this guy needs some help. And uh, she shut the curtain and said, we're going to have to put his IV in his neck. And um, <laughs> put the IV in my neck. And um, she was like the first like angel that showed up. Um, her husband had been through Dunklin 11 years before that. <laughs> so <laughs> she knew about that. She told my wife about it, and I kind of fell back into drug-induced whatever and um, woke up again in the psych ward and um, with some phone numbers <laughs> that, that Kim had gotten from the nurse. And um, so I started calling Dunklin. And I called Dunklin, told him my story, and um, they said that they had another cycle of guys in the program starting in two weeks, but there was no way I was going to make it two weeks, and that um, I needed to call Greg and Robbie at the Eagle's Nest. And so I did, and uh, it was the last house on the block for me, for real. And uh, I showed up up here, <laughs> and... Uh, I don't know, and the miracle started, it continued. Um, you know, I saw Mark come in and uh, leave and then come back and what was happening in his life. And uh, I started, like, hearing from God, which was really weird. <laughs> Let me tell you, from a Southern Baptist to, like, really be hearing from God every day, it was weird for me. Um, and... Um, and so, you know, the Eagle's Nest taught me how to have a relationship with the Lord. And uh, and um, I used to do quiet time, but I never really heard from God. And uh, it's funny now how I guard that quiet time. It's like this morning, I think the enemy was against, like coming against my quiet time. Because my parents are up here. They're coming for the second service. And the house, we're all sleeping in different spots. And it wasn't really quiet. And spilled my coffee and all this stuff's going on. And I'm like, man, I... And then I got to thinking about how important it was for me to have that time with God, and I was going to do it no matter if I had to get the rug doctor out. <laughs> and um, and so that's like <laughs> what I've learned since I got up here. And, and another thing that God told me about three months in was that I was staying here, and I wasn't really hearing that too well um, living in Knoxville. But what was interesting is that God told my wife the same thing in a uh, Celebrate Recovery conference in Atlanta about during the same time and so when I finally got the courage to share that with her it didn't shock her <laughs> so uh, he told me that I was going to be a part of this ministry and uh, which made that was a little hard to hear too because I never thought of myself as some kind of minister or but I, I knew that um, I needed to use my story and my experience I really felt like I'm the probably the epitome of a low-bottom <laughs> drug addict and that um, that's my testimony and that's what God wants to use to help others so so here I am ready to do what he wants me to do and I heard Jonathan Helser say something um, that hit me the other day um, he said that you know we got to fight the enemy with what he was trying to defeat us with and that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do. And uh, my quiet time, God spoke to me this morning. He said that what, what good is it for man to grow and to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul, which is what I was doing before I got here. So I'm willing to do whatever he asked me to do. And so we left our house in Knoxville, moved up here, and been struggling financially. And, uh, and I've been praying for, uh, you know, just show us that we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And uh, we got a contract on our house in Knoxville just this on Friday, so that burden's been lifted. I mean, you just keep showing up. It's just 
really been an awesome journey, and uh, I look forward to hanging around here. I love you guys. First of all, I just want to thank Greg and Robbie for being open to hearing the Lord and letting the Lord lead them through this ministry and these men. I mean, it's it's been amazing. It's like Greg said, when Will got here, I, I was done with their marriage. I was ready to file for a divorce, and my mindset was, once he got here, he's their problem now. Um, I'm done with this. Um, it has been... It's been a journey, but the way God has worked, it has been absolutely amazing. Um, you know, 10 months ago, I guess it's been 11 months ago now, you know, I woke up one morning. It was on a Sunday morning. We were getting ready to go to church, and I find Will on the couch um, with this note beside of him, and I want to read it to you guys just to kind of let you guys know where he was at so you guys can see where God has has brought him. It says, Kim, I'm sorry for being such an awful husband. I have always loved you and have never wanted to hurt you. I can't continue to live like this and I have no hope. It's bigger than me and I can't beat it. I love you, Trey, Alicia, and Chelsea. Tell my parents I'm sorry. I hope to see you all in heaven. Love, Will. And the way God has restored him and restored our marriage, I mean, this is where he was at. You know, there was, he, he felt like he couldn't beat it. And God has completely, you know, turned that around. Um, you know, for me, with him being in Virginia and the kids and I being in Tennessee, um, you know, God really worked in me during that time, you know, um, I just wanted rid of him, you know, he was my problem and everything, you know, that's what I thought, but during this time that we've been away, God has worked in both of our lives. Um, the scripture that, that I want to read that has really carried me through is John 15:5 and it says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." And you know, I had to give it all to God to get through this. You know, it is by the grace of God that the kids and I have have made it through will be in here in Virginia and us not getting to come up and and visit. You know, I had to really die to myself. I had to give will to God. I had to just surrender it, you know, and say, God, he's yours. I can't do this. You can, and just your will be done. And and the fruit of that is that, you know, our marriage has been restored. We're in Virginia now. I'm very excited to be part of the Eagle's Nest ministry, and I just, God's awesome. And this program is awesome. I mean, it is amazing what God can do. Thank you. I got one more thing that I forgot that I was going to read. That's the ADD kicking in. But when she read that suicide letter, it, it reminded me. Um, and I think this is something that had to happen to me, and it did happen to me. Um, one of my assignments in the Eagle's Nest was to, to write a letter to, uh, to Dope and uh, kind of basically to break up with it. <laughs> and um, I didn't realize how therapeutic that would be until I started writing it and the spirit started moving in me when I was writing it. And, um, and then I read it in my inner healing class and I watched the guys in my inner healing class weeping. And I thought, and that's powerful. So I decided I would put it on my computer and keep it and, and maybe even frame it, put it on the wall. But anyway, it goes like this. Dear Dope, it's been a little while since we've seen each other. I've been busy trying to put my life back together. I've had some time to think about a relationship, and there's some things I need you to know. When I first met you, I fell in love. You had a way of making me feel good when it seemed like no one else cared. You gave me confidence and helped me with my self-esteem. 
I could always count on you being there when no one else was. You made me feel like I could do anything. I found myself willing to do anything just to spend time with you, even when I knew it was wrong. I was shocked to find out you were killing me all along. I didn't want to admit it, and I fought for you. Something changed about you, and your effect on me wasn't the same. No matter how much time I spent with you, I was still miserable. I almost let you kill me when you were helping me believe those lies about myself. I've got some news for you. It's over. I have somebody new who really does meet all my needs. His name is Jesus. Truth being told, he's been with me all along. I just had to ask him for his help. He has already in a short period of time given me back all the things it took you years to steal from me. He truly is always there for me, and he's even okay with me hanging out with my friends and family. The best part is he doesn't want to kill me, and as a matter of fact, he's given me eternal life. You could never live up to that promise, so this is farewell, my old friend. I want you to lie down and die next to my old man. I won't be needing you in my life anymore. In Christ, will. Enough said, brother. Enough said. Love you. Here you go, Will. Again, just a step in the journey. And uh, ain't nothing to say to that. Thank you, Lord. And uh, we are proud of you. You know, and for all three of you, we just. You know, whatever this next season holds, you know, we're excited uh, to be here with you, to encourage you, and to be a part of it. And uh, we love you guys. I, I, I appreciate your faith, stepping out here in the Lord and moving moving your family here. Um, I understand that process. <laughs> and it's not easy, especially when it's a place of what you're so used to, coming to a place that you're not. And uh, so... And the Lord's going to meet you guys. He's going he's gonna to establish every step. He's going to be there every step of this way. And, uh, and again, I'm excited. You know, you're going to look back on this time, you know, just in a few short years, and you're going to be like, man, he's good. You know, it just be like you did today. You look back, he's good. You know, so I love you guys. Got tears in my eyes. I have a hard time reading. It has nothing to do with, I guess, old age or anything. But I want to share this with these three guys as they as start this journey. And uh, we've all got our journey. We've all got our story. But Paul's had a pretty pretty cool story if you read about Paul. But in Philippians chapter three, he uh, starting at verse twelve, and uh, he makes a statement in his journey. You know, and I want to impart this to you guys that are graduating. He says this, he says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The journey's beginning, fellas. I love you. I'm proud of you. And I just want to say, and I know I speak for Greg too, that, you know, we really appreciate y'all, you know, being with us, you know, through the ups and downs of this ministry. (laughs) And uh, there's been some, you know, start out. You know, trying to get a place over Giles, that whole thing blowing out, you know, and not knowing what we was going to do, and the Lord bringing one man, got that little apartment back there where Shay lives behind Tulio's house, and started there, you know, there's 13 guys in the house now, and, uh, and the Lord's 
you know, the Lord's working. And I just, I just want to say to you guys that, you know, you guys have been a critical part of that. You supported us and stood by us and encouraged us at times when we were struggling and wanting to give up. And y'all know who you are. <laughs> and I just want to let you know that we're very grateful for that. And this is not a Greg and Robbie ministry. This is a dwelling place ministry. And uh, I just, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, better to me. I don't want to do anything else in life but help broken people get whole. That's what life's about, isn't it? Isn't that really what life's about? It ain't about new cars and new houses and making money. It's about seeing somebody who's broken and lost find hope and love and grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater than that. And I'm so grateful that we get to do that. We get to do it together. Amen? Amen. Stay. Stay. Come. We're going to give you an opportunity to sow financially into Eagle's Nest. And They're at a place even now of just searching the heart of God about what's next. Uh, opportunities maybe to uh, do a bit of a, even a better job with transition ministry and maybe have some more guys in the program, but it's a bit risky. Um, yeah, you can go ahead and start to sow. We'll pray over it in a minute. Don't worry. Um, yeah, just go ahead. But we were out even this week, Tulio and I, with Greg and Robbie and Several of the elders and leaders have had an opportunity to visit some different options that they're looking at and considering. And, and it just occurred to me as someone who's tried to do some stuff before and knows that, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of people will say, wow, that's awesome, but there's certainly a lot of costs associated with impact. And, of course, the truth is, that the price is a privilege and I know that but I still needed to ask because I felt like on some level uh, there was a place to just try to say hey we should do this and this is why I'm whatever but I just stopped Robbie at one point as we were considering these options and looking at property and I said I just have one question for you Why do you do this? You know it's going to be hard. You'll be packing up and working and cleaning or fixing or your family will be right in the middle of it. Why do you do this? Why would you want to do this? All of a sudden, it wasn't about money or property or though those things are necessary and important. He said, because those men deserve an opportunity to know Jesus and to be healed. They deserve a chance. And they do. They do. And you guys give them a lot more than a chance. You give them a leg up to a connection with the Savior and the Redeemer and the God of great restoration. And it's not even just about the men, but it's about their families. And to all three of you, welcome home. Uh, we're very thankful to have you as a part of our body. And uh, that goes for your families too. Kim, you're an incredible blessing. And so, Lord, we lift up Robbie and Greg to you. And we thank you for them. And uh, certainly for their families. Also, God, that set in the middle of what you're doing in the restoration of men and families. And God, we thank you for these uh, that have shared today. They're incredible stories of your faithfulness, God. And we pray your very best plan and dream for them come true. God, we pray covering and safety and provision in everything and in every way, God. And... Uh, Lord, in as much as we'll take an opportunity to pray over them in the second service, I, I want to say now, if there's anyone here in this service and you're at a place where 
you need that kind of restoration to happen in your life. It doesn't have to be a chemical addiction. But if there's a brokenness in your heart, you need to know that God can heal that and that God can uh, put you on a place of, well, it's this. It's like uh, Greg was saying that this is a, a level of achievement, and it is. But w what you are in this moment is you are a trophy of grace. Yeah, yeah. You are a trophy of grace. You're a testimony to the goodness of God. And you always will be. And I want to say to you that as we consider that victory that God gives, I just say that if there's anyone here today, we're going to cut you loose and, and I'm going to pray a, a prayer of uh, release over you. But I want you to know that there's certainly space here for, um, for ministry in your life as well. So God, as I just... Oh, yeah, good call. Good call. Absolutely. Absolutely. God, is, uh, as, as we prepare to be about the rest of our week, Lord, the rest of our day and this week, God, I pray that you would cause us to have our eyes wide open to who you are and what you're doing in our world and that we wouldn't miss one opportunity to love someone for you. God, that those angels that stepped into Will's life, Lord, that we would be those angels for someone else, God, that we would be your hands and feet, that we would be those that you would call the attentive <laughs> and the ready to serve. And uh, see us on our way this week, God. Let us have the heart of a witness. And Lord, we, we do pray for Mark. We pray for absolute healing in his liver. In Jesus' name. We, we pray that you would take care of the transplant. Because we know that your hand is able to fully heal and restore. And we speak that in the name of Jesus. God, we're not going to make up a new promise today. We're going to stand on one you made. That by your stripes, we are healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Be blessed as you go. Hug somebody. We, we don't hug enough. Hugs are good. <laughs>